your Van Seas Weekly, the home for info and insight on the Vancouver Canadians and all Toronto Blue Jays minor league prospects. Hosted by Greg Ballack and Charlie Caspi. It's that time again, the Your Van Seas Podcast, episode 12 this time. Greg Ballack here with Charlie Caskey. As usual, breaking it down, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Andrew Stoughton from Drunk Jays Fans is coming on. We're very excited to bring him on and sort of use this as a bit of a wrap-up show for the, for the Blue Jays season now that the playoffs are starting to get down to the, the Final Four. And uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, at the start here, I think, Charlie, we'll talk before we bring Andrew on, um, just about what's going on. There's some, some big news in the, in the prospect world for the Blue Jays um, and also the Arizona Fall League starting up. So we've got a, got a few things to get out of the way first. Yeah, I mean, obviously, most people that would listen to the show will know this already, but um, Anthony Alford, the two-sport star um, stud athlete who, you know, the Jays were very creative when they drafted him a couple of years ago and the, uh, my internet's down, unfortunately, in this <laughs> cockamamie studio. Um, you know, drafted him in the third round, I think it was, but it, maybe fourth. Um, but I mean, most people project him as a first round talent, but he was very committed. Um, some might say married to uh, the fact that he wanted to be a, a college quarterback. You're right. Third round pick. Third good, round good pick. Good memory, Charlie. You Finally, know, you can remember something. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had any beer tonight. Um, went to the university of Southern Mississippi, obviously got into a bit of trouble. Well, a, he didn't have a very good season on the field, then got into a bit of trouble with the law. Uh, there was a bit yeah. of off campus fight or on campus fight actually, where apparently a weapon was brandished. Um, uh, I think he lost his scholarship over that, decided to transfer to Ole Miss, which I think was his sort of his dream university, but they, they wouldn't commit to letting him play quarterback initially. Um, so I had to had to redshirt a year um, after after transferring, and then this year, you know, was was a backup safety to a three year guy, was a backup punt returner to I think a freshman guy, and then he had been taking reps on the second team at, at quarterback as maybe a possible change of pace option. Mm-hmm. Decided football was no longer for him. So after what three games? Yeah. So it, it's it, <laughs> it was really weird. The timing sort of. It, it, it's got me a bit confused because mm-hmm. he he was getting reps, obviously not as many as he he probably would have liked, but there seems no reason to come back to baseball now. Yeah. You know, he could have played the rest of the season and then said, you know what, I've decided I'm going to be full-time baseball. I'm going to go to spring training in March, April, whatever, and go from there. Now, we we do know, because he, he admitted as much in a, in a newspaper article before the football season that Anthopoulos, Alex, JSGM, Alex Anthopoulos, flew to Lansing just prior to his final game there and put a five-year deal on the table. I think Alfred used the exact words. He gave me a couple of different options. So they obviously wanted to keep him, so maybe even when he went back to school, they they stayed in contact and, and, and came up with a few other options or mm-hmm. something that finally hit home to Alfred. And he well, he wanted to keep his options open, obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think his exact quote was, I don't care if I go on to make $100 million in baseball, I have to know that I can't play football. Um, you know, and, and everybody I spoke to on Twitter said the, the kid wants to play football. He'd even rather play arena football than <laughs> than baseball. Um, so something's obviously changed. Um, his agent probably took well, him aside that, that was, and said, I think I, I wrote an article saying basically the same thing. His agent, someone probably took him aside and said, right, enough's enough. And and football is a risky sport. It, it just takes one game for you to, to well, completely yeah, as, blow as, something as, out. As a safety, you know, yeah. you, you make one head-to-head hit and, yeah. and that could be 
curtains. I mean, so they probably they said, you know, your your football career doesn't look as promising as your baseball career. Uh, well, you should put some real thought. Yeah, or th- that you think it is. Right. You know, you're looking through rose tinted glasses yeah. at your own football career here. Um, baseball is where you're going to make your hundred million dollars or whatever. <laughs> you know, so they've they've got an offer on the table. They've already paid you seven hundred fifty k. They've got another offer on the table, which. You know, who knows what kind of minor league deal they'd structure for him. That's great for the Blue Jays. <laughs> well, it's fantastic for the Blue Jays. I, 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 it doesn't matter where you, how you look at it. I wrote to the Blue Jays today, um, and f- unbelievably, they uh, no, I shouldn't say unbelievably because they have been coming back to me this spring. It's great um, to have uh, this sort of information. Um, he is at Instructs. He's down in Florida. So, I mean, this is fabulous because the, the one thing everybody said is, well, if he plays football f- for another couple of years, he's going to be so far behind the curve. And, mm-hmm. and bear in mind, you know, he was drafted out of Mississippi, and, and we've talked about this before in relation to DJ Davis. Mississippi prep products are regarded as raw because they just don't play like players from the big states of California, mm-hmm. Texas, et cetera, et cetera, Florida. They don't play the showcase games. They don't go on the traveling teams. They don't, you know, the, the under... 18 under 20 they play their high school season which is 35 40 games or whatever and that's it usually rake (laughs) well yeah i mean so i mean he was going to be raw anyways you then you take out the fact that he's only getting 40 at bats a season plus a month and a bit of extended Mm -hmm. you know he was getting further and further behind the curve and i mean i was considering dropping him out of my top 30 but then of course he went to lansing and, and ops something like 950 hit a hit a home run that was reckoned to be about 450 feet stole three bags and you're like, oh crap, you know, I got to keep him on. But now that he's at instructs and, uh, the rumor came out, uh, I think it was that girl that writes for the Canadian baseball network. You, you'd know her name, Alex, uh, it's a Bernanke. 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 uh, She tweeted that he was heading down to, um, do some winter ball in Australia with the Canberra Cavalry, who... And I didn't even know Australia had an instructional league. Or well, it's any not kind. an instructional league. It's their top yeah. professional league. I knew league. they had a league, but I didn't know yeah. it was... They even had players that were loaned from, you know... Well, yeah, no, teams. I mean, they're not loaning them. I guess they're just... Yeah, they're they're sending them down there to get winter ball experience, just like players would do in the mm-hmm. Dominican. I just thought it was like a semi-pro <laughs> kind well, of Well, I think it, it has improved exponentially over the last five or six years. Okay. And I'd love to get somebody on the show to talk about exactly that because they're sending, possibly now, this is my second piece of news I got today, was that um, Alex's tweet wasn't necessarily correct. He's, it's not a done deal for Alfred to uh, to be going there. They're working on it. They hope it's going to happen, but it, by no means is, is it done. Um, but, you know, obviously you hope he does. Now, my, my second question my was... You know, would because here's a guy that, as I said, he's he's extremely raw. You know, you think that they would want someone basically, you know, both hands on him at all times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got the answer that they do actually send a coach with these players as a matter of course. It, they wouldn't be sending someone specifically to take. A, I mean, obviously they're they're probably going to send someone that's quite experienced as far as yeah. outfield players and and hitting is concerned. They're not going to be sending a pitching coach to Canberra, <laughs> um, but. They 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 send a, an instructor who's a guest instructor on the staff as a as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, great news that he's going from getting no reps to all of a sudden it looks like hopefully if if he does go to Australia a ton of reps, and then obviously he's going to have a full spring um, and and then be assigned to. Jeez, I w- I would have guessed now. I'd like to be aggressive and say Dunedin, probably not. 
it'll probably send him back to Lansing for mm-hmm. a while. But I mean, he keeps going the way he was going. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, and I know fellow players aren't scouts, but you know they know talent when they see it. Mm-hmm. You know they're around it every day and extended. You know they they know what's what. And every time I asked a Vancouver Canadian about Alfred, you know, all I got was, you know, wow, <laughs> the kid's a freak. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, the, the word that I heard most often was Bo Jackson. If, if he, you know, if he, if he concentrates on baseball full time, he'll be in the show in two years. That's what you heard about Bo Jackson. Well, that's what, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, obviously Bo Jackson was a bit different. He was, he went straight to double A, came, yeah. came out of college, but you but know, nevertheless, he played football and got hurt, which is my number one fear. If yeah. he kept playing football, I just, I am so scared that it just takes one hit to, to you saw with Bo Jackson, he got yeah. one hit where it wasn't even that hard. It was just sort of awkward. And that was it. You know, it totally changed his career. He blew his hip out. He wasn't the same after that. So with a young guy like Alfred, he has so much potential. I was just frightened. Like even just looking at him as a prospect that maybe could have, you know, this is just a dream come true that he's he's actually quitting football and doing this. Even back then, I was still just frightened that he would he would just blow something out and not be the same after. Well, yeah, and thankfully now he's left so early and and obviously yeah. proved to be not as good at football as a Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders. So we don't have to worry if he ever makes the Blue Jays that he's going to moonlight as a <laughs> as a football player. I don't he think might. He, he, don't rule it out. maybe he'll go to an <laughs> arena football league. <laughs> That's even but worse. I don't think an NFL team is is going to take him on. So yeah, this is. I mean, it's fantastic news, and um, you know, it gives us something to talk about. Obviously, I'm 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 a huge fan of baseball, so I've been I've been glued to the uh, the TV when I when I can be uh, watching the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm, the FL started day before yesterday. Um, you know, that's got it's got Pompey, it's got Roberto Asuna, who obviously I I want to keep a close eye on because I think you know, he, as far as my top thirty, when I eventually get around to it, he's going to be in the top five. Uh, Sean Nolan, a guy that was knocking on the door a couple of years ago, made made that spot start. You know, pitched pretty well last year, despite you know, obviously was truncated the season with injuries. Um, and and a couple of other guys, and then you got the Venezuelan baseball league started today. Um, when does the Dominican league start? Dominicans, it's later. It's more like the thirtieth. Okay. Um, but I know I need to check. There's a few more Jays. There's a few in that more league. Jays, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Miguel Castro actually, who obviously is the is the young C's slash Lansing slash Dunedin pitcher from this year who had a who had a huge year and is going to balloon his way up many prospect charts. Um, I'm pretty sure he got drafted into the Dominican League. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Ryan Goins, they're talking about going. I'm sure Kevin Pilar is going to go somewhere. Um, you know, Venezuela didn't have a lot of big names like Tyler Ybarra. Um, and they're all scattered amongst different teams, which I found kind of interesting. Oh. Um, so obviously there must have been some sort of draft. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing Franklin Barreto will play. But he's currently in instructs, which ends next week, next okay. Thursday, I want to say. So it's possible he'll go back to Venezuela and and, and play as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's all happening. Uh, like I said, if my internet would work, it's hard to get a handle on all. Like you said, there's so much going on and so many avenues where you have to get this information from. It's hard to keep track of everything. Well, MLB.com actually has a really nice link where you can go into stats, off-season leagues, and pick your team, and it sorts all the players from that team's organization and their stats. Um, 
so yeah, you can kind of keep up to speed as to what everybody's doing, um, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, um, check that out. And the the ABL Australian Baseball League obviously used MLB.com's developers to create their own site because it looks exactly like the <laughs> MLB.com site. <laughs> Which which is fine. Yeah, that was the a, deal. We'll lend you some players if yeah, you uh, yeah. conform we, we, to our. Uh, we get your digital uh, <laughs> cash. Um, That's good though, because I've now that I know that the MLB site has that, I've just been kind of following along with tweets and what I see from people tweeting and. That's all. That's the only way I've been. been well, yeah, and yeah, you, of course you got to read. You know, good good folk like myself who, prior to them actually having an at bat, <laughs> you don't get their stats, obviously. So I had to go fishing through every Venezuelan team today to see which Blue Jays were there, so I could post that. Nice. So, yourvencies dot com. Just uh, a tireless worker. Yes, my my latest post of, I think it's titled Fall Leagues. You want to talk about Fall Leagues? as a remembrance to the great Jim Mora playoffs. Because uh, <laughs> um, obviously All the Jays are not in the playoffs, so I am talking about falling. <laughs> <laughs> be a little different story if the Jays were in the uh, ALCS right now. but uh. Well, no, yeah, I'd be <laughs> hammered all the time. Um, be in Toronto. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think the budget would allow for that because <laughs> unemployed and hammered all the time. <laughs> comes with a cost. Yeah, it comes with a cost, exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so there's, there's stuff going on. Um, we're not going to do a, a podcast every week updating AFL scores and VBL and no. DSL or whatever the <laughs> Dominican League is called. But we're, we probably will do a few more episodes depending on what guests we can get. Yeah, it looks well, like we're having a few. We've uh, got a few interesting guests lined up for sure. So yeah. we're going to have a few more and, and I've got a few other ideas that I, I wouldn't mind talking about one of them is, is, is hopefully I've, I actually have a couple of friends in Australia um, that I played baseball with years ago um, and one of them is in Canberra so maybe I can get him on the case intrepid reporter on the scene and, <laughs> and get us some contacts there and we got rid of us yet we're still yeah. plugging along here it's not the weekly pod the weekly died long ago but we're not going anywhere yet for the for the winter at least we haven't hibernated yet no well the Australian <laughs> Baseball League doesn't start till the end of the month either so those guys that are going would still be here um, uh, so yeah, maybe we can get, get one of those guys on or something. I don't know. But yeah, Christian Lopes is an interesting one. Obviously he was, you know, he played for the C's last year. What was it? The year before? Year before? You know, and everybody had this guy as, a, as pr- quite high on their prospect list, you know, was a, a big time second baseman and he's sort of struggled the last two years in, in full season ball. So it'll be interesting to see how he, you know, to the point where, you know, nobody I think is going to have them anywhere near their their top 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever they do. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does over there. LB Downs is the same, you know, NWL, uh, Northwest League MVP last year for the for the Vancouver Canadians. Um, couldn't, couldn't repeat that success this year in, in both Lansing and Dunedin. So, again, kind of a guy that's probably played himself out of, out of prospect status if he ever was one. But, you know, the, the, whether this means that the Jays – think highly enough of them that they they send him to Canberra or it's one last throw of the dice I don't know and that's what I'd be interested in. I'd love to talk to someone like yeah. what, you know who how do you decide who goes where and what what exactly are you looking for them to do I just of. want to know like the talent level what what kind of competition these guys will be up against if it's if it's high end or what, what are we talking about but well let's let's try ask. and find out Greg <laughs> you and I on a mission <laughs> 
Oh, is there anything else you want to bring up before we get to our special guest? No, uh, I, I have a feeling we'll we'll chat to this guy for a, for a while. Um, <laughs> so let's let's roll straight into it. Yeah, I think uh, we'll we'll bring on Andrew Stoughton now. I'm excited to get to talk to him. So let's, uh, let's see. And, if we have- yeah, before we do, I mean, obviously, you know, we we don't uh, we probably won't mention it, but you know, Drunk Jays fans for me is one of the premier sites of, of Blue Jays content. So it's been around forever, and it's been around forever. <laughs> um, you know, the writing is, is excellent. And uh, not only that, but obviously Andrew, I, he, it's his, it's his full-time gig. So yeah. he has the ability to, to provide content whenever, whenever he can, which is, which is quite a bit. And it's great. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing most of the people listening to this podcast know exactly who he is, um, and who he writes for. So forgive me if I don't keep reminding you throughout the interview. <laughs> you don't I mean, what's, there's a certain saying in radio that they always have to sort of Remind. That's more for for live radio, right? Because okay. you, you know people would tune in on different intervals, and right. you'd want to remind people. But I think with a podcast, people would know what they're listening right. to. <laughs> You're the expert, right? I'm just hey, along for the ride. I, I, I think I'm the brains and and the, <laughs> the face of, of the podcast. But I guess you can have a little bit of. You're the, the one with the job. Right. You should be bringing the beer. <laughs> I told you before the show, before we rolled, it's a Thursday. If you want beer, you got to come record with me on a Friday. Sacra blue, and then you get your beer. But. All right. Without further ado, we should probably bring bring Andrew into this conversation. Yeah, before it so, gets too late in Toronto. I think we have him on the line now. Andrew, how's it going? It's going well, man. Thanks for having me. Ah, no problem. It's our, our pleasure to have you on. It's uh, been quite the season for the Toronto Blue Jays, so it's really good that we have you on here. We can really chat about whatever we want. So uh, you've been kind of going crazy the last few days with... Uh, an article or two about uh, the the Blue Jays and the, and the makeup of you know what we might see with the team next year. So I guess we can start with that. Um, you know what I guess you have some. You, you kind of broke it down in your article with uh, uh, who we are definitely not going to see next year, uh, and then who's really going to be sticking around. Who are the guys that are locked up? Um, so why don't we start with that? Who who's on their way out for the Toronto Blue Jays next year? Well, I, I think the obvious ones that are on the the way out are. The free agent guys, you know, Colby Rasmus isn't coming back. Mm-hmm. Casey Jansen, uh, I can't imagine him coming back, to be honest. Uh, you know, the Jays just don't pay relievers the kind of money that he's going to command on, on the open market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the other, Mel- Melky Cabrera, maybe. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the, who's the <laughs> other one? I said, I said Juan Francisco is definitely not going to come back, I think. Uh, you know, that was an interesting little bit of uh, asset management mm-hmm. on the part of the club, but... I don't think that's going to happen. And also Brandon Moore was right. one I was thinking of, who's just, uh, you know, they're not picking up that option at $10 million, and he's going to want to start. It's going to be more lucrative for him, and mm-hmm. there's just there's no way they're going to be able to give him uh, what he wants. I'm sure somebody else will. Yeah. Another guy you had on the on the bubble was McGowan, who is probably right around their threshold as, as to what they've... I think I read an article recently where the, the tops they've paid a reliever was, aside from what's-his-name from Baltimore... A couple of years back was like four point one to Miguel something or other. Uh, I think I think Francisco Cordero got uh, Francisco got a, Cordero. 4. That was it. Five or four point five. Like the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, the one guy in the Anthopolis area mm-hmm. that paid. So if you look at uh, McGowan, at you know you you it's four, but there's a five hundred k buyout, so three and a half cost. You know that's probably right at their threshold, which you know means he he may or may not as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, maybe he has maybe he has some trade value. I don't. I, I deal like that to another club that you know actually 
values him. And, uh, you know, the Jays didn't... I've heard Jeff Blair on the fan radio station here in Toronto uh, talking about, you know, he didn't think Gibbons trusted McGowan too much by the end. And, and you know, his numbers look all right out of the bullpen uh, if you like, uh, if you exclude his time as a starter this year, which obviously didn't go very well. Uh, but, yeah, there's something about him that the, uh, he's he's... He's had really great stretches when he's been healthy since he's come back, but uh, yeah, it's a, for a team that's sort of strapped for money, that's a that's a lot of money for not a lot of innings. Yeah, and see, I mean that's all too because Gibbons was the sort of the biggest proponent when he was starting to to move him back to the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So obviously something changed, and I think you know you're right. There was there was a bit of inconsistency throughout the season, wasn't there? Where you know later on Sanchez came up and you know maybe pushed him down the mm-hmm. uh, the pecking order somewhat. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sanchez pushed everyone down the packet order. <laughs> Which we'll, we'll get to him in a minute because I do want to discuss that. You, um, there was a couple of articles that I wanted to talk about, but first I wanted to just quickly get your opinion on. I had a discussion with another blogger recently about the, um, you know, obviously Rasmus is not coming back, and mm-hmm. and it's already been out on Sportsnet, Roger's own Sportsnet, um, <laughs> that uh, you know they're not going to qualify him, and I, uh, I'm sort of going back and forth on this because. You know, fifteen. What is it? Fifteen three this year. Nobody's accepted a QO in the last two years. I think I read. Um, is it is it a a lock that he would accept it? And B, say he accepted a one year deal at fifteen point three, would he not hold trade value if the Jays did not want him in the end? I just, I I struggle to to sort of see why you would let him walk for free. Really, I, I I think it is a lock that he'd uh, he'd accept it, and you know, I mean, I think with the way that the season sort of ended and the the benching and and just he didn't really have a great time, and I, I don't think you know, I don't know if his relationship with Kevin Seitzer was as great as it was with Chad Matola the year before, and uh, he just he had such a terrible season. I, I I you know maybe he'll make more than fifteen million on the open market, what? but I would be. But that's kind of my point is that I don't I think he would struggle to accept it. I mean. I don't know. You know, obviously, I'm not in his head, and, and money does generally talk in baseball. But it, he strikes me as a guy that obviously wants out of town himself. So you extend the qualifying offer to him, and more than likely, he he doesn't want to accept it. He'll go somewhere else, maybe for a bit less money, but a bit more term. Uh, who knows? I'm I'm speculating. It's, it's an interesting theory. I mean, I uh, I I can't say I subscribe to it. I think he would probably take it. I mean, that's more money than he's going to get. Anyway, he's going to get. You know. He's, He's going to get the opportunity to play to play himself into a better contract if he does, and and that might not be the worst thing in the world for the Jays. But it's a lot of money for a guy who just wasn't very good this year mm-hmm. and hasn't been has been good for two out of you know six years in his career, really. Yeah, still young though. Um, yeah, still has yeah, the tools. Like I think someone's uh, someone's going to get a bargain with him. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But uh, I, I think it's one of those things where it's just it's, it's not happening here. And if you look at the outfield, that is you know, projected to be uh, for next year for the Blue Jays. Is, is it really that much of a downgrade going back to Rasmus? You know, you'd have to think he'd still slot in there in the top three and there's some, maybe, maybe get bumped out of center field by Pompey. You, you don't know how they, how the Jays will value him, but um, you know, Rasmus I mean, definitely is, is better than a, a lot of those guys on the list. Yeah. I mean, but that's also not factoring in the, the cost. $50 million yeah. Yeah. Of, of a, you know, a strapped payroll that you're going to have to pay him in order to make that all happen. Yeah. Yeah, Pompey makes five hundred grand or whatever the minimum <laughs> yeah. is. And if uh, they see him as as high as as we think they do, then definitely. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm getting wrapped up in the like a little bit too much, but mm-hmm. man, I I I might take his season over Rasmus's in 2015 
straight up, money or not. You know, I, mm. I think he can be pretty good. I think the you know the bats looked great, the, the defense looked good. I, I am not looking forward to the inevitable ghost Pilar platoon in center field. <laughs> it makes no sense. Well, I think yeah, reading reading the site. You know, you you sort of were uh, Ghost Pilar. I can live with this, but then when when Pompey sort of had his cup of coffee, the tone changed, and rightfully so. Um, you know, he he sort of takes out the platoon option and probably provides just as much offensive value as as both them combined. I, I think so, and he and he frees up a roster spot yeah. too, which is a big thing for me. I mean, I know it's rushing him, and I, I mean, I'm completely. Uh, you know, being wowed by a small sample size, which I should know better than to do, but <laughs> but he looked terrific. Like he looked like he belonged there, and and you know they were sending him up levels, you know, uh, all through the summer because he just kept succeeding at each one and doing better at each one. And uh, you know they talk about the, the great at bats that he takes, uh, that he takes, and and you saw that in the majors. He wasn't. I mean, man, like Anthony Ghost, he, he hasn't hit anything <laughs> yet, right? And and Kevin Pillar. Does great in Buffalo, and he's come up. He was pretty decent at the end of the season. He can't walk, which is an annoyance mm-hmm. for me. Uh, but you know, you just you see him get overmatched sometimes, and 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 just swinging at at pitches where he has he, there. There's no way he should be swinging at the, at stuff. He just gets fooled by things. Uh, and you didn't see that with Pilar, uh, Pompey, excuse me. And uh, maybe that's just because we didn't really see him for long enough to really start to notice the warts. I think for me, you know, the one, the two at bats that really sort of opened my eyes was a the home run off Hernandez. But not only that, you know, he came back later in that inning. Actually, they batted around, and he wasn't looking to swing out of his shoes. He he took a walk. You know, he was he was waiting for his pitch, which I should I think showed a lot of maturity. I think yeah, no, I, I, definitely. I think the maturity is, is definitely a thing on, and it's weird because he was, you know, he was a young draft pick, and he was uh, so. He was sort of behind uh, the class because he was, you know, six months younger than a lot of the guys that were being drafted, and that and that maybe uh, is why he dropped so much, and, and that there really was more to him than than met the eye at the time. And then, you know, it's obviously been a long trip through the minors for him, uh, but yeah, it looked really, really terrific. It looked like things have sort of clicked for him. I'm looking forward to he's going to be playing in the Arizona Fall League, so I'm looking forward to to seeing if he can continue with that. Yeah, he um he lost a lot of time too in his in his minor league career to two broken hands. So mm-hmm, you know, right, yeah. the year before this past one was the first kind of full season, and you know, obviously people started to open their eyes. He won the minor league, uh, the Rawlings Gold Glove, and this wasn't just for single A, you know, Midwest League. This was for the entire minor league. Mm-hmm. He was the best center fielder going. You know, who knows how they can rate all those players, but <laughs> nevertheless, he can obviously play defense. Yeah, no, and I, I think I mean if you're going to get nothing out of the bats of of Ghost and Pilar anyway, I'm I'm okay to just throw Pompey into the fire. <laughs> what if I mean Cabrera? You know, you hope he comes back. Um, obviously, the, the Bautista comments near the end of the season kind of put a bit of water on the fire there. Um, you know, are are we looking internal then, or or do you think they will go external for a, a replacement there? Yes, you'll please. Uh, Names coming up on the on the trade market. Yeah, no, are we dreaming? Or? <laughs> I, you know, I, I I don't know what they're going to. I really hope they can manage to get something done with Melky. I hope it's mm. not an issue with money because it, you know, he's you know he's not a perfect fit there, but he had such a great year and and he seems to like it here. Uh, they still have time. They could still theoretically extend him. You know, J.J. Hardy just uh, signed an extension. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like he 
100% has to test the market, but they seem to be resigned to that fact. Um, you know, I think they like that they will get a draft pick when you know when he signs elsewhere, as he as he might. And it's weird. You hear a lot of the media insider guys in town sort of are talking like it's he's pretty much gone. Which I don't know if that's just you know they're naturally pessimistic, bitter old men who <laughs> have to follow the Blue Jays all the time. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't think they can go internally though if they don't do anything there. I don't know where you know where they're going to go to to replace him. But uh, mm. they, I don't think you know I, I don't think an outfield of Pilar, Pompey, and Batista is is going to cut it. You know if yeah. you have any if you have any pretenses, pretenses on winning and being a good baseball team, I just I I don't see how that's possible. And then. You know, what's the depth beyond that, too? Defensively, they'd be pretty sound. <laughs> yeah, they certainly would. There's, you know, there's something to be said for that, for sure. But, uh, and Pawai looked all right at the end of the mm-hmm. year, but I'm, I'm just not sold on... I, I'm going in without an alternative to him. I, I think that's the point there, yeah. I think, you know, for me, Pilar definitely showed some some signs of improvement. The last two weeks, you you said he didn't walk, but I think he took three in yeah, the last seven right. or ten games or yeah. something like that. So he actually did, you know, not a ton, obviously. Um, just most of the rest of the time he didn't walk. And he no. didn't walk a ton in, in the minors either. It's, no. it's just not, you know, he's... Mm-hmm. He's going up there to put the ball in play. What about that whole situation where he was he was grounded and they sent him down to Buffalo for that month? Like, what is that concern you at all? Or I don't know what to uh, make of that. Not really. I mean, I think it's it, it's uh, it's one of the things where he's a guy you can make an example of because he has no service time. He's just this kid who's a who's not a coddled prospect, you know. So if you're going to make an example of somebody and try to and try to you know impose that. Strictness on the clubhouse. That's you know that's a guy who who has to watch himself more than than you know Adam Lynn saying things in the media about his bomb or Jose Batista <laughs> doing whatever he wants. Like those guys, you can't bench them. You can't send them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, the, there's you know there's two sets of rules. I think and he just uh, he ran afoul of that fact. I guess uh, which I think is kind of stupid. But I also you know, I I I understand that the you know the team has to have a little bit of discipline too in terms mm-hmm. of that. But it would be sent down for so long was maybe a concern because yeah. uh, they were just they, were, they they needed a guy like him. You know, Brad Glenn was yeah. not uh, was <laughs> well, not getting it done, and I think nobody should have ever thought that he might. It was kind of bizarre. That was that was kind of my issue with the whole thing as well. I mean, obviously Gibbons isn't the affable Texan. You know, he has a he has a line in the sand and and. Pilar crossed it, but it just seemed like an extended amount of time when he was absolutely raking in Buffalo. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah, had Glenn, no, you had Nolan Reimold, you had all these kind of revolving door of outfielders when he was still there. Yeah, it's uh, they gave a lot of it back to a lot of bad players. Yeah. yeah, it was really kind of what what killed him in a lot of aspects. I think. Yeah, um, Aaron Sanchez. Um, two things you you obviously wrote quite recently. Um, you know, there's there seems to be a lot of, and, and you'll know more about this. I don't get the Toronto media as much as you would. Um, a lot of talk of of putting him in the bullpen next year, even possibly mm-hmm. having him as as the designated closer, which seems a bit premature, um, and kind of erodes what value he could bring to the table. Um, you know, your article sort of sort of you know he didn't throw his curveball he didn't throw his change up as as a reliever and those are the things he needs to work on if he's going to be an effective starter going forward and i and i remember actually a very good article written in january by an ex-colleague of mine over at jay's journal kyle and here's where i'm going to butcher my my usual butchering of a name is it matt or mate 
I've, I've, I've never met Kyle. I've only, uh, I've only communicated with him electronically. Go with Matt. We'll go with Matt. In my head, I'd pronounce it Matt. Yeah. So he used the pitch effects data that was available in, in the Arizona Fall League and in, in the spring training stadiums there to look at it. And, you know, his, his, his off-speed offerings were, you know, according to this article, pretty bloody good. So, you know, the... Personally, I say you can't you can't put him in the bullpen. His value is too significant as a starter. But if all these pieces leave, you know, Jansen, we know um, McGowan, maybe Brandon Morrow, yes, you know, and they can't replace him externally. Is that something we can be comfortable with? You know, I, I, it's it's an interesting question. I mean, the, the, at Blue Jays Plus is what I sort of pivoted my article on on something they wrote there, which is about making him a hundred inning reliever, like a guy who goes multiple innings, like like he was being used this year, which. You know, might afford him more ability to work on some of those pitches. Right. Uh, but the sort of the, the crux of what I was saying uh, was also that you know the, the you know you talk about innings limits and where you know how many innings are, are building up his arm gradually year by year and increasing it, uh, his usage uh, to the point where you know eventually he's going to be a guy who you know can pitch with no restrictions and you don't have to worry about shutting him down in September or managing his innings during the year. And uh, to take a year off of doing that, I think is kind of hard for the Jays to do, especially when they're looking at. You know, Burley is a free agent next year. Uh, Half is a free agent uh, after 2015, both of them. And then Dickey has an option and, 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 and theoretically should still be around and should be fine. But uh, you never know. You know, he gets hurt and maybe there's not a reason to pick up the option. Maybe you have three big holes in your uh, in your rotation at that point. And, and you're going to need a guy like Sanchez and bring him back into the rotation after making him a haunted inning guy. Uh, there's, you know, you run into all this sort of mess with uh, with the innings that he's going to be able to pitch. Yeah, it's, too, it's too hard to predict right now what's, what's going to happen in the future. It, rotations from year to year change so much, and mm-hmm. you, you never know what can happen. But uh, to kind of go back to what you were saying about people that are, are locks to be gone uh, and relating it to Sanchez, one of those guys was was Casey Jansen, who is who's not coming back. And, and now you have Sanchez, who you know we could potentially use him as a closer, and you... you you could use him in that role, and he would succeed. And he did quite well in the out of the bullpen at the end of the season. I kind of was a proponent over the last few years of trading Jansen while his value was high, and, and now you, you've lost that opportunity. Um, is that a big, big blunder you think by the Blue Jays, or is that sort of a, uh, you know you'd rather take this last final year of Jansen and, and hope to run with him? But but now it looks like he's gone, and it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, no, it, is, it does seem like a missed opportunity for sure, but. Um... I don't think they could have traded him. I don't think there would have been a, a smart idea to trade him. I mean, with hindsight, knowing that the years didn't end up being uh, what we all thought they would be over the last, you know, the last two seasons, uh, you know, that's it obviously makes it look a bit worse. But they were still playing competitive games in September. They, you know, they if they hadn't just completely fallen apart in August, they would have been a lot stronger this year and would have had a chance to really be in the playoffs. So I mean, if you traded them before that, uh, I don't know what they were going to replace him with in the bullpen. Otherwise, it was just it was a, a dumpster fire this year. In a lot of respect. <laughs> but with Sanchez there lurking, you know, you just yeah, give him I, give him the ball and hope he runs with it. It's it's interesting, and I know there's a lot of you know, in the old days, guys would come up sort of through the bullpen, and that would be an interesting you know way uh, to to sort of apprentice and become a big leaguer, but without you know forcing your way into the rotation right away. Uh, maybe Sanchez is ultimately a reliever. Who knows? I mean, these guys are still. You know, he's still really young, and he still hasn't really shown it for uh, you know for a full year in the rotation that that he can be really the guy that the Jays think he can. Uh, though this year he was he was good, obviously. 
uh, especially at the big league level. So who? So it, it could be if they thought that he was going to be a reliever long term, I would have more. You know, I'd understand it more. But uh, I think it's just he really you you've got a plan for him to be a, a really good starter, and I, I don't know if it's a you know making him a sixty inning guy is a good use of his value or a good use of the development time. Yeah, I think every every noise you hear out of Blue Jay Land is that they they feel he's a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, although yeah. although you do read some articles that the organization is a bit split, um, which boggles my mind. Um, <laughs> but Anthopoulos, who you hope is making the final decision, um, seems to really think he's a starter, which is what you have to, like you said, even even just to find out, you have to let him do it. Yeah, I think absolutely. And and going back to Greg's point, I don't think they realized that he was going to be this good this year. I think he's mm-hmm. he's turned a lot of heads. And then you look at some of the other guys, you know, Dan Norris. It, it was, an, uh, for me, an unbelievable system, system year. Maybe not, you know, I enjoyed the big league club season, but it kind of petered out at the end. Um, you know, you, you've got all these guys, Sean Nolan, Kendall Graven, they're maybe depth guys, but Dan Norris... Um, um, Sanchez, they're knocking on the door. You know, you mentioned today um, Hap is someone that they could look. They'll, they'll definitely pick up that option, obviously. Um, yeah. They could maybe flip him. You've, you've, you've written previously, today's article kind of backs off from it a bit, that, that Burley could be in play. Is You know, one year left. You look at his, his value this year, he, three odd wins, according to baseball reference. You multiply that by whatever they value a win at these days, seven million bucks. His, his salary's not terrible but is it movable uh i don't know if the whole contract is movable but i mean i think the jays could still you know eat a little bit eat enough to make it more movable and then you know just reap the benefits of having that freed up payroll and just you know slide a norris or a sanchez into the rotation um i think the thing is though i think they really they really like him and this is not something you know i i don't know what's in the room obviously and all that stuff and i I have a hard time swallowing it sometimes, but I think they really like him being there as the mentor guy with the young pitchers. And, uh, I think they really see even additional value out of having him there. He was sort of, I think when they brought him in, he was going to do that for Brandon Morrow and for Ricky Romero, and that's, that's worked out really well. Uh, but, yeah, uh, nice work, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, and, you know, people, I, mean, I don't know if people understood what Roy, Roy Halliday's personality was when he was here, uh, but... Yeah, I think that's a thing that a lot of people thought he should have been and was, was sort of, even if it wasn't a vocal kind of leader, like a lead-by-example kind of guy, and that didn't really amount to anything. So I'm kind of skeptical when, when they talk about having, you know, the Mark DeRosa's, like, oh, you got to see how it is to be a big leaguer kind of, uh, kind of guy, especially when, you know, especially at that price, if that's, I mean, if that's really a big factor, I don't know. But like you say, he he was good this year. Uh, the, the, the contract, it, it's, it's big, but it's not outrageous. Um, so I, I think I could see them keeping him. It, it, it just—it really depends on what the money is like. I think because uh, they sure mm-hmm. could use that money unless there's a significant bump coming. Well, yeah, that's the thing. If there's a bump coming, then yeah, keep him. We've we've learned over the last couple of years that any starting pitching depth is is great. But if if there's a finite amount and you can move that 19 million bucks to to fill holes that and there's some glaring holes in the lineup we know, then it, it does seem worthwhile. And this is, you know, you're not going to get anything back for him, and, and you're probably going to eat a bit of money, but it, it, it would, it does seem like it would be a viable move. Yeah, and you might, I mean, you're not going to get anything back for him. You might get a, get a bullpen piece, which you could really use, you yeah. know, something, 
because uh, they they just they really have to rebuild it back there and 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 you know even just looking at something small like that I think for sure but and that's just part of what drives me crazy the death issue is, is you know how they opt out of the free agent market so much but it's it, it, an added benefit to you know if had they brought in Irvin Santana uh, I think I wrote this the other day or maybe it's in a draft somewhere that I haven't posted yet but if they, <laughs> so bringing in Irvin Santana. Uh, would have afforded them the ability to to make a bigger move at the trade deadline because they would have had more pitching depth. You know, it's not just uh, you know depth is sort of built that way by for a lot of teams, I think. And, and, and the Jays sort of opting out and tying their own hands on that issue, I think, is, has been to their detriment. Though obviously, the, that's that's a, it goes back to ownership. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so hard to predict what the makeup of this team will be because there are tradable assets on this team, and the Jays have always been. Uh, more of a player in the trade market than the free agent market. And you never know what you can get in the in the trade market. So that's I think that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to break down, you know, until you see what kind of direction this team is going in this offseason to to even make any kind of statement. No, absolutely. I think uh you know, there the, the I I would think I was very conservative in that piece that I wrote about, you know, who looks like they'll stay, who looks like they'll be gone, et cetera. Um yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of like little pieces that they can move around. You know, the, the sort of the mimicking the uh, the Brad Lincoln for Eric Kratz deal, or the the Kratz and Liam Hendricks for Danny Valencia deal. You know, and I think mm-hmm. this is kind of the stuff that Anthopoulos might really like doing. You know, those are the kind of trades he's sort of been most successful yeah. with, except you know when he gave away Jan Gomes for nothing. <laughs> uh, you know, so so yeah, there. Uh, I think that's that's something that he's probably going to. You know, no matter what happens, you know, at the at the big ticket kind of side of things, I think we'll probably see uh, deals like that. You know, to, you know, I don't know if Tolleson has any value. I don't know how much value Danny, Danny Valencia has, but you know, guys like that, you know, you can bundle them up and and fill someone else's need and get back a piece of your own. You know, even if it's just a reliever who will come in and compete for a job in, in the spring and might not even make the club. You know, the, those are still guys that the Jays could need when where they have sort of redundant pieces on the. Mm-hmm. On the roster, or even some of the prospects are, might might be out. You know, if they, if they saw such a huge progression in a bunch of the guys that they they ended up calling up at the end of the year, uh, I'm sure other teams saw you know high potential in some of those guys, and there's still guys further down the line that, that they could potentially part with if they are. But that would obviously entail taking on salary if they're going to trade a prospect for somebody that's ready now, uh, which is not not really uh, something that the, I don't think the Jays are willing to do. It doesn't look like it. I mean, Paul Beeston <laughs> said the other day that, uh, oh, you know, you know, the payroll's going higher this year. Like, do we know that? <laughs> of course, we don't know that at all. Like, yeah. everything you say turns out to be completely false. So why, why would this, why would this be any different? But there were there were payroll complaints, you know, years ago, and then all of a sudden they go out and and make the trade for Jose Reyes and Mark Burley, and they take on loads and loads of salary. So you never. You can never predict it. It's it's impossible. Well, especially not <laughs> true. And, and, and they're not. I mean, and this is something I've been writing about a couple times lately too. And it's it's you hear a lot of people talk about. Well, they're you know people talk are hammering on the payroll and and getting so upset at Rogers and it's a top ten payroll in the league. But you can't be a big payroll team if you just bump it up once and then completely mm-hmm. strangle the team afterwards. Like yeah, they have these big commitments for the next couple of years because they took on all that salary. But if they can't paper over some of the mistakes that they're inevitably going to make. Uh, you can't, to me, to my mind, call them a, a, a high payroll team. They're sort of an opportuni- opportunistic spenders. I, I said yeah. I did get a comment to, to somebody the other day. 
not unlike the the Marlins, who were at a hundred yeah. million dollars uh, the first year they signed Reyes and, and Burley, uh, and then like every other payroll, uh, you know, the year the two years after that has been about fifty, and the year before that was fifty. Yeah. So does that make the Marlins a, a big spending team? Like I don't, <laughs> I don't think that it does. I think they're opportunistic and they don't really care uh, what happens to, with the team in those other years. They they're content to get a lot, you know, as much revenue as they can out of the TV, out of revenue sharing or whatever other streams that they have. And I think the Jays are more like a team like that than they are an actual big spending team. So I, I'm hesitant to give too much credit to Rogers. Yeah, I think you're right because it's it's so weird that they would spend all that money on a trade like that and then scrimp and save and and you know why don't they throw Melky a bone, a guy that can actually help improve this team and, and help bring some wins to this team? And it looks like they're not going to do it. Yeah, no, it's a, I mean it's an argument I get uh, I get a lot I get into a lot of arguments. That's <laughs> no, kind of, that's, that's with the with the I police. <laughs> not, not bring that up. No, <laughs> well, you can bring that up. <laughs> no, it was none of my business. The, the fine police officers of the city yeah. just have to take no guff from me. And, and they demonstrated that. No, it was just funny because uh, I think I'd come back from hockey and I'd open a beer myself. And I'm like, oh, this is entertainment now. <laughs> Something's kicking yeah. off. Funny if you look, the, I don't think a lot of those tweets are, are there anymore. <laughs> but, Weird. But, you know, I, I, back to the revenue point and the Rogers thing, you mm. know, people uh, talking about uh, about how this the top payroll thing and, and how much money they spent. And, and I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, Anthopolis is really the one who's allocated the money poorly. It's not that Rogers is being a bad owner. They, you know, they, they just, they invested wrong and then said, you know, clean up your own mess, Alex. And <laughs> to me, that's like, so, so we should be patting them on the back for letting the products sort of die on the vine and uh, and be so close to being able to be really competitive and really sort of generate the kind of money that was planned for in the first place with, you know, playoff home dates, so ideally, and more gate receipts and higher TV ratings, you know, to the, I, I don't, I, I don't find that that's, you know, something they should, should be congratulated for, for being so strict as to, as to just cut off the taps entirely. So, uh, it, it looks nice, I guess, that they have such a high, you know, top ten, hundred forty million dollar payroll. But it's there's more to it than that. Yeah, I think for for me, I haven't really looked that closely at that trade recently. But you know, I, I know Marisnik was was tr- offloaded to the Astros. I don't know what for. But if you look back at that trade, you know, it, it doesn't look all that bad. We all, you know, all of us prospect hounds screamed and shouted at the time. You know, but. I know uh, Nicolino won their minor league pitcher of the year, but he's still pitching in double A. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the prospects he gave up probably aren't as good as we thought they were, which prospects generally aren't. <laughs> um, I think if there's one thing Anthopoulos does really well is he knows his system backwards and forwards. Um, he knows the players that are there, and, and he values them very well. Um, so, yeah, generally, I mean, let's not, <laughs> that, that next trade doesn't look quite as good as the, the Marlins one, I don't think, but yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that's still that, a, it's still a point where those guys haven't really had a huge impact in the majors either. You know, so it, it that's for me. Like when we say, you know, as he allocated his resources correctly, I, it, it's hard to believe that he went out and took on all the salary with the thought that okay, this is going to be it. This is my ceiling. Um, I hope. I really hope I get this right. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't buy that thought either. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who for years. Uh, that's all we would talk about is you know we talk in terms of value and in terms of of uh, flexibility and maintaining its flexibility. Yeah. And to have gone out and just completely eliminated it for this one shot. I mean, as great a shot as everybody thought it was. Thought yeah. it would be at the time. I mean, yeah, it's it, 
but it doesn't it doesn't add up. It doesn't. It's not in character for him. No. <laughs> And you're right, the, the Jan Gomes trade was, it just sort of boggles the mind now that they, you know, I wrote a lot about him when, when he was doing all those different roles and just said, you know, this guy's great, he's flexible, he can play all these different positions, you know, a couple of them maybe not overly well, but, and his bat doesn't look too bad. He was catcher at the time, I think. Right? <laughs> well, no, he was playing third and first more often than he was catching, wasn't yeah. he? But I mean, I think catching was one of the positions people were like, eh, he's an okay catcher. Yeah. Out. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> um... Well, I wanted to, uh, you need to go back and ask Kyle to, because uh, one of the guys for me in the AFL, um, aside obviously Pompey is, is the big one, but Roberto Asuna, who, uh, who's come off Tommy John and thrown whatever he threw in Dunedin 30 innings. Um, I, I hope Kyle can take a look at the pitch effects data, if there is some there, because um, I think he's someone else that, you know, you, you've got a 19, he's 19 now, he'll be 20 in February, I believe, so it'll be 20 next year. Pitches well in the AFL, he's looking at double A, so... You know, you got another. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's just another another young pitcher knocking on the door, and and all of a sudden you're going to have a lot of value in the rotation. I think, you know, we talked about earlier, Burley could be moved. Dickie, who knows? But you know, these guys are going to be moved eventually with with free agency in the next couple of years. You know, the roster, I think, is going to get quite young. Which kind of you you've got the spread trade. You got the two phenomenal hitters that are only getting older and then you got all this youth coming in which is exciting but they're going to need a couple of years to bet in so for me the roster looks they need to fill out some parts with I don't know medium medium term guys you know guys that have had a couple of years of pro experience but you know aren't on their final legs if that makes any sense I sort of got yeah, a bit no, rambly I, there sorry I, I think that makes total sense yeah no it's uh I mean, you saw what the Red Sox this year had the kind of, not entirely the same, but they had a bunch of veterans and they tried to fill in with a lot of like really interesting prospects. And uh, you know, prospects that we we all know they don't necessarily are going to, they're not all going to hit the ground running. And yeah. uh, but then also Boston looks really scary for the foreseeable future. Yeah, they they made if some they, smart deals midway through when they decided to change gears. And if they, I mean, don't don't need to find some pitching, but they'll they'll have that too. I'm sure. Yeah, well, they've got the money, and they've they've got a couple of prospects. I mean, Henry Owens is is mm-hmm. not far away. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting off season. I mean, Anthopoulos touched on himself; he's excited. Um, hopefully, because he 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 thinks he's gonna get some stuff done. Um, but you know, it's it's funny. It, it, for me, it was a very interesting year. I, it was it was fun while they were in it. I mean, I was there in Fenway when when they lost that Friday night game, and and you know they blew three leads, and Ugh. I think every other wild card team sort of lost that night, so yeah. they could have made up a game on everybody. And for me, that was kind of the the tipping point. But um, you saw Norris. But I, I got to see Dan Norris and Kendall Graven make their debut, so it wasn't terrible. But still, it was yeah. you know it was a lot later than I, I. If you'd given me that at the beginning of the season, I would have I would have bitten your hand off. I think. Yeah, I think absolutely, and people sort of forgot that because they got so wrapped up in the chase. But yeah, it was it was kind of gravy. Everybody, I remember writing at the start of the year about, you know, well, it could be could be a fire sale and mass firings at the start of the year, and you know, how long does Gibbons have? And and if it doesn't go well, where is Anthopoulos here? And is he the guy you want going into the trade deadline? If you know what, you know, how quickly is anything going to happen? And uh, it was completely different from that. And it was uh, it was all right with me. Yeah, but. I can't believe you were at that Red Sox game. That was, of a year of frustrating games, that may have taken the cake. (laughs) 
It was unbelievably frustrating. Yeah. Thankfully, I was. Well, I was hammered. You don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember moving down and being right behind home plate for Norris, so that was pretty special. Um, and I wanted to touch on something about Beeston. When he was here, you were at the MC's luncheon as well, Greg. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was on the um, the midday sort of the sports radio show, um, talking crap or whatever, <laughs> and he was drinking. So you know, I don't. I, I don't. I'll do a noon beer anytime, but. He was drinking a Budweiser, so at that, Ooh. if you're going to drink at noon and drink crap beer, <laughs> I'm not sure I can trust you going forward at all. It was, I was just saying, it's, that's, that's fine until you said Budweiser. Yeah. Oh, and that changes everything. <laughs> no, noon beers, don't get me wrong. I'll do it all the time, but <laughs> can you trust I, a Bud drinker? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I can get on board this, uh, this snooty attitude about Budweiser. <laughs> the fine folks that... Uh, I didn't have to push. No, I don't. <laughs> that's terrible. Oh, I, don't for my I, I don't think I've ever seen Paul Beeson where he's not drinking, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Which has been a very rare occasions that I've seen him. But like, it's a state of the franchise thing. He'll always you know, come around <laughs> the concourse and mingle with people afterwards and not try. But the fact that he's just got a big old beer in his it's hand. It's like Glenn Sather and his cigar, okay? It's just his, it's his but, signature but thing. But that was yeah. sort of my point. If, if he's on the radio saying, oh, yeah, you know there's a big bum coming, he's probably drinking. So yeah, <laughs> I think he can handle his booze. We'll put it that way. He's, he's got enough experience. <laughs> um, he, and he's beloved too. Like that's, I mean, that's part of the thing. He's just a fun belly post kind of guy, you know. Who, who I think the media guys like, media guys like, and and I remember at the John Gibbons uh, press conference when they hired him. You know, he didn't. He doesn't know who the hell I am, and he's just standing behind me, sort of talking to the room, just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like Anthopoulos is answering questions in French, and he's just elbowing people, like, "Do you believe this guy? This is incredible!" <laughs> and just like, he's just a big personality, well, yeah. and, and that's part of like why he, I think, uh, he gets so much rope when so much of what he's said in this era of the, you know, of his job as president of the Jays has just been kind of ridiculous yeah he, he is a nice guy like we, we make fun of it now but he he's very charismatic i remember the first jays game i ever covered he i was a nobody and he came right up to me and, and he recognized that i was i was new and he made sure he introduced himself i knew who he was but he he introduced himself and you know he shakes your hand so he's very good at that that side of things so it's uh definitely doesn't go understated i don't think no definitely but he could use maybe toning down the, the like just the transparent yeah. stuff where it's like renew your season tickets come on you know i'm not i'm gonna say everything that i possibly can to make it clear that you should renew your season tickets and everything's great i've got a list here that rogers gave me yeah. <laughs> um i think that same interview did he he sort of insinuated that both anthopolis and, and gibbons would be back um are we i mean i'm pretty confident that anthopolis is what do you what say you about gibbons yeah, I think I think all of them are back. I mean, I think Gibbons would have been fired by now if he wasn't going to be fired, mm-hmm. or if he wasn't going to be fired. And uh, I think uh, it's funny some of the talk radio here in the you know uh, in Toronto, um, Bob McCowan. I don't know if you're familiar with this this person, mm-hmm. uh, but he does primetime sports with on sports and that. And, and we get him on TV. He, yeah, sports. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm originally from Ontario, so right, I know, I know yeah. all the guys. Yeah, there you go. I, I mean, he's he you know he's uh, he knows more about the upper crust of Rogers, I think, than a lot of the other hosts and, and you know, some of his guests will talk about the uh you know, the inner workings of the, the elite sports folk. And uh and something he's been on about lately is the uh, is whether Beeston's gonna be back. I mean that's seems wow. to to him to be the the key to whether Anthopolis and Gibbons come back. But I, I think I think they're all back and I think if Beeston 
does leave, which you know, his family's contracts expired, and and who knows what's going to happen with that. And uh, I, I think even if they do bring in a new president, I think it would take a long time for them to find who they they want, and that person will want a year to. You know, there's no there's no upside to immediately firing Anthopoulos and Gibbons. You know, they'll probably get another year, and then if there's a new president this time next year, uh, their jobs might really be in, in jeopardy if the if things don't go well. Uh, but as long as Beeson's around, and I think it's still going to be a little while, uh, yeah, I think everybody's safe. I mean, we've heard a bit of talk lately about the makeup of the of the clubhouse, and I mean, I don't know what you hear, if you hear any anything more there. I just sort of was listening to the Gibbons. He, I think he was on 590 when he he said, you know, uh, maybe it's not the tightest, tightest nip group, but he tempered that straight away by saying if we had more talent, we would have won more games. Um, and then you got the Davidi article, which you, you wrote a post on that sort of talked about trust issues. You know, Greg and I were discussing this before we called you. You know, he, Greg's a, a, a non-believer in, in chemistry. I'm <laughs> I'm a bit more sort of on the fence just because... At least in baseball. Well, it's, uh. just for me, because it's a six-month season plus your spring training and stuff. You know, these guys are in their hip pockets all the time. Um, you know, obviously, you, you, you wouldn't think if you're getting paid X amount of dollars that translates itself onto you know field performance but how much i mean what have you heard if any the, the sort of the input that gibbons would have on on clubhouse chemistry and and i mean i kind of know your opinion on the on the on the subject anyways but give give it to me anyways yeah i, I mean i don't think i've heard anything different than than what you've heard i mean they, they are pretty tight with about stuff like that uh there's always going to be guys in the clubhouse who are griping about one thing or another especially you know in a losing season like this um, uh, the whole the chemistry, the chemistry in general. I mean, I think there uh, there's there's something there's something to it. But to me, it's you know it's such an individualized game, baseball, and it's a you know individual mm-hmm. success yeah. uh, is team success in a lot of ways. So in, in almost every way, I mean, there's 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 sort of small variances of that. But uh, but that, for me, that makes it hard to to worry too much about the chemistry stuff because you know these guys are are playing for the next contract and everything as well. So they're there's a, there's a lot of internal reasons for them to to be as good as they can and to to look, to look you know beyond whatever nonsense is going on in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I, I mean they're humans too, and that's that's a thing. But what what you know what struck me about the article was you know the reasons why they were perhaps griping with each other and having problems in the clubhouse, and they were all sort of related back to to ownership and and the the lack of trust between them and the and Rogers' commitment to winning. Right? I mean. Yeah. It started with the Irvin Santana thing, where they were asked to defer payments to you know have their contracts <laughs> restructured in order to help sign this guy, which is kind of you know you raise an eyebrow, but oh, the ownership really, all right, they're just leaving us out to dry here, and we're going to have to figure this out ourselves. And and apparently, uh, Edward Rogers the third, you know, uh, Uncle Ted's son, who now is high up at Rogers, I don't know what his official title is, you know, told the team in a team event that. They would have money if they were a contender at the trade deadline, and they certainly were still at that point. And mm-hmm. you know, money didn't show up. And there was all the stuff about the, the trades that didn't get made. And you know, <laughs> as much as as much as the Davidi article tried to sort of paint it as you know, part of why they didn't do well was was because they they you know they had issues in the clubhouse. So that, what I saw out of it was part of why they didn't do well was because they didn't have commitments from ownership. So they were mm-hmm. running out all these players who who just weren't good enough. Yeah, I mean, the one line that stuck out for me was the the unnamed player facetiously saying to Davidi, um, "Who's that guy?" In reference to Anthopoulos, I haven't seen him around much, you know. And 
man. You know, and, and Thoughtless isn't going to throw ownership under the bus and hold a team meeting and say, right, guys, sorry about the trade deadline, but I didn't get any money. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it seemed kind of petty and, and, and more directed towards Rogers than management, um, which, you know, employer, employee kind of thing. I wonder if the hate for Rogers is, is a little bit more because people know that they're a huge company and they have so much money and it's not like a, like a smaller owner that you, you know, you don't know what their money situation is going to be like uh, And the players. I, I'm sure they know about Rogers very well and, and what that kind of company is like. And if, if some of that hate is a little bit, a little bit extra just because of that reason. Yeah. I, I it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, fans here, obviously every month, you know, they're, they're they're paying their cable bill. They're paying their yeah. their internet bill to Rogers. They know how much money they're getting and how ridiculously overcharged they feel they're getting for the services they get. And then Rogers goes and puts up a statue to Ted Rogers in front of the guy. <laughs> and there's still no <laughs> Joe Carter statue. Where is the it, Joe Carter statue? It's just I mean you don't know whether to laugh or cry. It's it's absurd. It's yeah. just, it's crazy that they would do a thing like that. But they're just so tone deaf as to this is a great idea. We'll put uh, <laughs> we'll put Ted on display for all the Jays fans to see. Come on. In solid gold. <laughs> Where's the Dave Steve no-hitter statue? <laughs> Come on. Like, there's so many moments in, in Jay's history that they could have done. Anyway, that's another rant. Right. Speaking of rants, um, and before we let you go, well, the most important topic, of course, and we discussed it on our podcast last week, um, the Buck and Tabby rehiring, <laughs> re-upping for five years, <laughs> which seems like an extortionate amount of time. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, my opinion obviously is, is well known. I, I, they drive me bonkers. Um, what, 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 what do you feel? And, and if you could pick anybody else, who would you pick? Well, uh, for that, of them, like, I'm just, I, once that happened, uh, and this is something that people tried to tell me before, actually, was, uh, I did it one of those pitch talk things. Uh, we yeah. have these events in Toronto that, you know, they talk about, you know, sort of a high minded, uh, panel discussions about baseball, which are actually really interesting, uh, and not that high-minded because I, I did one with uh, <laughs> the, the drummer for My Lady Peace was like him, oh, him and I. And so we were talking about Jeremy Taggart. He's on like the Jam Dan podcast on TSN, okay. stuff like that. Oh, really? Uh, or on Fox maybe or whatever, wherever they're at now. But anyway, he was you know he was like, "What are you always complaining about Buck and Tabby for? They're hilarious. <laughs> they just they trail off into like these weird." You know, into nothing, and they—they they just, they, you know, Buck pronounces things so bizarrely, and, they, <laughs> but, you know, and I'm just—I've I've tried to sort of embrace that aspect of it ever since you know the news came out that we're, you know, we're not getting rid of them anytime soon because it is—it is kind of hilarious, but uh, mm. if you you allow yourself to sort of get past the frustration of how, how bad you kind of think it is, and I don't think—I don't think they're really even that much worse than, than a lot of guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you have MLB.TV and, and watch some of the games from other markets, I mean. Uh, it, it gets it's pretty bad out there. I don't think that's an excuse for them to be bad. You know, to, I think still strive better. But yeah, I, I think I, I'm going to try to get by it next year just by just by laughing and, instead of <laughs> getting frustrated. I think what really uh, what really burns me and Charlie though is that we've we've heard Buck do color commentary. You know, in the past many times, and he's actually good at it. Like he's he's a decent color commentator. He he has very good points to a lot of what he says. It's just his yeah, play by play. I, I mean, years ago, and actually, this really leads into you asking me about who, who it should be. Uh, you know, Dan still lives in Toronto, mm-hmm. does all this stuff for ESPN. You know, five years from now, maybe he'll be ready to to take a whole pile of money and sit at home and just be the Jays guy again. That's the dream, uh, Dan that, Shulman. That's really the dream. Oh, you know, and, and, uh, if we you could know. clone Dan Shulman. <laughs> yeah, he and he did one of the pitch talks things as well, and he he was excellent. And, and you know, he because he still lives there. He's 
he's a big Toronto guy, and, and so he's fighting for you know getting a, the Jays on his night baseball game sometime. And uh, yeah, I think he would be fantastic. It's, it's you know great for him, but it's a shame that they ever let him get away. Yeah, well, I, I used to like you know Shulman is better, but I I used to like Jim Houston, and I said last week that now that he's once again a, a Rogers employee. If they could throw bucket loads of money, but I think the thing for him is he still lives out this way, and he flies in for hockey games. So I think it'd be tough I to convince so, him yeah. to fly out. He did for, the CBC a few like last year, the last year CBC, CBC had Jay's they games. had they had him Barfield and someone else, didn't they? Was it, yeah, but that was occasional games. Yeah, that's right. No, he, he's pretty good. I, I don't dislike I don't don't dislike Houston on baseball as much as I do on hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's gone a bit cliche at hockey. I liked him a lot when he used to be the Canucks guy way back when. I, but I actually don't mind when Matt Devlin, who does the Raptors mm, games, fills in good for point. And uh, he actually, you know, heard it on the radio a few times. You know, he grew up, uh, he started in the business doing minor league baseball. He did, uh, you know, like Pacific Coast League games, I think, for years or something like that. And, uh, you know, he's subdued. He's not uh, He's not Buck yelling, Incarnation, or whatever it is. Uh <laughs> But he's, yeah, I, he's got I'm, 17 wins. Okay with that. Yeah, oh, yeah, God. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, for so me, yeah, if we could, you know, even as a as a pinch hitter every now and then, someone a bit younger and a bit more sort of yeah. in tune with the modern day thinking about the game. They let it, Alan Ashby slip out of their fingers, and he he was great. And Joe Siddle's here now, and I'd like to see him in a bigger role. Yeah, but, I kind of like I like Siddle. Yeah. Siddle seems, I mean, if... if, if Siddle seems to me like he's maybe a little too indebted to to Jerry. Like Jerry got him the job, and and, mm. and Jerry's very saccharine, and it's a, it's just a couple of couple of real nice guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he he reminds me of Ashby a bit, but Ashby uh, was was not quite so saccharine about things. And I didn't hate Jack Morris either, actually, mm. when he was doing radio games, which I assumed entirely that I would hate him. Yeah, uh, but I thought he was all right. And Ashby, I can't, I can't fault Ashby. Like I remember, we had him on uh, a DJF pod, podcast years ago when he was still had a Houston number that, that <laughs> you know he called from. Like he lives in Houston, and when that opportunity came back again, I mean, that's, yeah, that, this, that was going to happen, and he's he's terrific. Yeah, and I guess the one thing I'm envious about of people in Ontario is you at least have the option to go down and watch the games in person rather than having to sit at home and, and listen to the guys that are commentating the games. So I am jealous yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, it takes, uh, if, you, if you want to enjoy baseball properly as I e with a, an adult beverage, uh, <laughs> it takes a lot out of the pocketbook, but, uh, but it is nice to, to be able to just, and also to be able to walk down there too. I mean, this is part of the yeah. reason Skydome is never going away. It's because the location is tremendous. I yeah. mean, I don't you can't put the you can't put the thing out in Vaughan if any of you even know <laughs> you know what what he's from. I, they probably but, I think they make goal equipment out there. That's <laughs> all I know. <laughs> Not that Vaughn. <laughs> oh no, okay, different Vaughn. Um, well, I mean, let's touch on the Skydome very quickly. I mean, obviously the big issue is turf, and I guess they're getting new turf for next year. But I mean, what? Could it be better turf? Like I don't, I don't get this. I know, obviously, the push is to get grass in by 2018. I think is the year sort of being spat mm-hmm. out. What's well, the year the Argos leave? The year they leave, and I know they're doing all these studies with the University of Waterloo. I want to guess about you know the Guelph, but yeah, Guelph because oh. of the circular air currents that they get in there. Um, but I mean, I look at you, Professor Kasky. <laughs> I read and then I just pick out little things. That's all I can do. Um, like what? What can new turf do? Like I don't, I don't get it. You know, I, it can look a lot better. I'll tell you that much. Okay. The turf in there right now looks like garbage. It, it does look terrible. terrible. Yeah. 
it's embarrassing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's going to save Jose Reyes's range and his, his hamstrings <laughs> from just continually falling apart. Like that, unfortunately, uh, I think that ship has probably sailed. Uh, but it, it, you know, it can't be worse. I'll give it that. And it can't look worse. So there's, there's something there, but I mean, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, it, 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 it frightens me a little bit, and if someone else has brought this up, it's not my original thought, but, uh, you know, you, you're buying new turf for 2015, but we're, you're supposed to get grass in 2018? Like, that seems like a, <laughs> yeah. you know, it seems like a, an expense, but yeah. that might not really be necessary if grass really was coming in. I think I think it does make a big deal for for attracting free agents though cuz there there are guys out there that just absolutely despise the turf and you look at it oh, yeah. and there's there's a lawsuit going on right now in the women's world cup they're yeah. actually suing because they're forcing them to play on turf <laughs> they hate it that much that they're actually going to court over having to play on turf and the men did not have to play on turf so it, it, you know if it's that big of a deal to the athletes that there's turf uh, I think it's worth looking into no matter what the cost is Oh yeah, I, I mean, I think they have to. I think they absolutely have to. But uh, I, I'm just I'm skeptical about, you know, where, whether they're going to be able to, you know, to do it on the timeline that they say. And they, it's hard to trust anything that they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, it's uh, it's not it's not just like a layer of concrete right now, and then you know the ground. There's like an under an underground parking lot underneath the stadium. You know, there's <laughs> there's stuff underneath there. So yeah. it's not like they can just rip up the floor and put grass. <laughs> there's a lot of work that's going to have to be done and, and to to do it in one off season is, is going to be difficult uh, fortunately it's the Jays so they probably won't be playing in October um, <laughs> but it's, we hope well, it's true but uh, you know I, I really I hope they mean it when they say this one because it's I mean not only does it look bad but yeah it's, it's about player health I mean you're killing you're paying Jose Reyes 22 million dollars for each of the next three years to unfortunately play shortstop, yeah. Well, yeah, for as long as, yeah, probably the whole Until you can convince time. Uh, and, yeah. you know, you're just, you're, you're killing them. Yeah, like you said, it's just a shame. I mean, the the location is, is brilliant, but they built it, what, five, seven years too early. They missed the boat. I mean, Safeco was only yeah. built. Uh, I'd be a total guess, like seven or eight years later, and it, it's a fantastic display of what you can do with, you know, dome stadiums or um, retractable roofs. Well, I think it's already. I think the Jays, when the new Braves stadium gets built, I think the actually the the old Braves stadium is is still newer than the Sky Dome. I think the the Sky Dome's already is. the top five, one of the top five oldest stadiums. And you got it, Wrigley it's and Fenway on that list. It's something. It is. It's something like that. And then also, you know, Kansas City and Kauffman, they've really renovated it. Mm-hmm. You know, incredibly. Uh, yeah, it looks beautiful. But yeah, uh, the the Camden Yards opened in nineteen ninety two and. Scott opened in 1989. <laughs> yeah. The very next one was like when it just completely changed. Yeah. Just a complete sea like, change hey, of, of, of what they <laughs> Let's were, actually make the stadiums look nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I actually don't mind. Like the, I have a soft spot for Skydome. It's the first place I ever saw Major League Baseball game, but... You know, you hear all the uh, the comments about from people out of town saying how it looks like a shopping mall, and, and you know, I've been to Safeco since I've been out west, and it, it's like night and day. But you know, I really do think it's not as bad as people make it out to be. It's you know, it's still a fun fan experience. You're still at a ball game, um, but there, there's definitely some improvements. And again, everyone would agree. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cool. And, yeah, take out some seats, maybe. 
they got some it's seats. Great, and, it's great yeah. when people are actually there and and, <laughs> and it's full. It can be really fun. It's you know it is great. It's, it's great being able to see the games live. I don't want to I don't want to poo poo it too much, uh, <laughs> especially to people who don't have the opportunity as often as I do. But but yeah, it's it, it's depressing to look at like the new <laughs> the new crop of ballparks that keep opening up and it's just like they're jewels of a city and then <laughs> ours ours is not. <laughs> Even Target that, Field. You know. Well, Target, I mean, yeah. you, just watching the playoffs, I mean, Pittsburgh's is stunning. Oh. And, you know, I know Milwaukee. You were just at Fenway. In, but you, I was you, just at Fenway. And just some of the stuff that they've done in there is, is fantastic. That bar that's right behind the, the Green Monster, and you they open up the, they can open up the wall essentially, and you get to watch BP. And um, and they have microbreweries. I guess uh, the Sky Dome yeah. kicked out their one, one and only uh, patron or brewer. They're one and only independent, which is literally across the street. Yeah, literally, they could just they could roll kegs over there in about thirty <laughs> seconds. Like it, it's so perfect. I don't know if that's the Jays or if it's if it's Aramark who they have, you know, some sort of contract signed in blood for you know in perpetuity to 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 run the terrible concessions there. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 bizarre. There's a lot of great craft breweries in the city, and it's it's becoming a much better thing. And and our ballpark has nothing but corporate beer. Didn't the Canucks just have, they just kicked out Airmark, didn't they? They did, yeah. yeah. Basically, people weren't buying food anymore, so yeah. they brought in uh, And now they have their chef. first craft yeah. brewery. Yeah. That, well, I don't know what it's going to be. We'll wait till the first game of the season, but they have craft brews now at Canucks game, which they never had so because it was Airmark. So this is an option, is just tell people stop buying food and maybe something will change? <laughs> yes, you need don't, to get a, campaign, don't get a hot dog yeah. when you go to the next series <laughs> game. Tell everyone in line. Just freak out on everyone that's in line. Well, yeah, I guess. Well, funnily enough, obviously the the arena out here is is Rogers Arena. Yeah. Um, from what I can gather, just listening to the snippets of of team radio or TSN radio, it is now that people just stop buying the food. You know, they just they refuse. Why? Well, because it's ridiculously expensive oh, it's, and not very good. It's just gouging at this yeah. point. Yeah, uh, that sounds awfully familiar. Yeah, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Um, a couple things before we let you go. Um, can you still, are you, as I'm guessing you are, but have you been enjoying the playoffs? Are you enough of a baseball fan where you can watch <laughs> a non-Blue Jays game? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, the, the playoffs this year have been tremendous. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, maybe not maybe not the teams that, I have, that have all advanced <laughs> that I want to, but I'm actually... I'm real. I, I didn't know, I didn't think I would be like this. You know, the, the Orioles are obviously a rival and and they're you know we're the the non big payroll teams in the AL East, and it's uh, a bit of a thing. And I, and and there's been some animosity, especially you know when they when the Orioles first sort of got good a couple of years ago, and and it, it didn't it didn't really add up with the run differential stuff and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But man, those people they they deserve watching a, a World Series. Uh, same with people in Kansas City. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with either of those teams getting through, even though the Orioles are kind of terrible and i don't know how they're even <laughs> here uh but, but yeah no that's been fantastic and actually it's been great it's not uh it's not like the world cup where i, I you know when the dutch went out i that's it that's, 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 you're done i'm done well I, I did see one argument actually today against the kansas city royals saying that if they win the world series the next year is just going to be Everyone's gonna be bunting across the board. There's gonna be bunts oh, everywhere. So if you don't if you don't like bunts, then you should cheer against the Kansas City Royals. But they're just such an underdog. I don't know how you how you can, you know, cheer yeah, against no, them. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a great story and it's a beautiful stadium. It's uh, yeah. it's, it's it's cool for those fans that have twenty nine you know, years. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's fun for me. I mean, you know. I want people to root for the Jays the next time they get to the playoffs in however many decades that's going to be. Yeah, there's there's two stories for me for them because when I lived in Tokyo, I was a big Tokyo Swallows fan and Nori Aoki was their star Mm. player and center fielder. So a bit homerish, and I'm sure tons of Jays fans would disagree with me. Oh, he was a big star in Tokyo. (laughs) Um, not as much here, but I think he's an option, you know, a cheaper option if, if Cabrera does walk. Yeah. Um, definitely. From, for the Jays to pick up. You know, I don't know how much he'd cost, but it's then definitely not. They could finally send Kawasaki down, and people wouldn't complain. No, man, let's hoard as many <laughs> Japanese players as we can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think, you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think he's, he's definitely a, a possibility if, uh, if Melky doesn't come back. I'm sure a lot of teams are thinking the same thing, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the I, problem. I th- there's, there's money everywhere. Everybody's, you know, got all this new TV money, and and the the, uh, the national TV contracts have brought a lot of money in for everybody. And uh, and so, yeah, some teams just seem to be more willing to spend it than others. Yeah, whether they spend it wisely. Um, what's going on over at, at DGF? Obviously, there was a bit of a few changes not too recently uh, ago at at the score. Um, you haven't been, uh, had a chance to do. Is is there going to be a podcast? Is is Drew still around? Uh, Drew's no longer with the score. Uh, well, I know he's not with the score, but uh, I'm assuming he's still in Toronto, yeah, and you guys does. are uh, in contact. Oh yeah, no, he does still. He does still draw breaths, and <laughs> uh, and yeah, uh, no, we're still in contact, and, and uh, I mean, it's, it's more of an equipment issue at this point than anything because uh, the the score got rid of. Uh, you know some of the the guy the engineers who were doing stuff like that. There were a few changes there, um, but yeah, one the, I'm not sure when. I don't know what the, you know. We don't have a date for it, but there will definitely be DJ podcasts again. It's it's been uh, it's been much asked about by a lot of people, uh, which is cool. It's like people enjoy them. So uh, yeah, we're definitely going to make a find a way to make that happen. I'm glad we could get you uh, to scratch your podcast itch though by coming on here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I talking Jays. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what a very quickly. What's so Drew's writing for Fangraphs right now, isn't he? And he's got his own site that you you tweet out occasionally. I try and get to. Yeah, he does, he does a site called Ghost Runner on First, which is was his original mm-hmm. site. You know, before he uh, he sort of shuttered that when he was doing Getting Blank full time. Uh, yeah, he's got a he, he's writing for a bunch of different places that I've seen so far. But Fangraphs is a regular gig for him. And oh, good. Uh, one of his he did his first piece that you know Fangraphs does their Fangraphs on Fox thing and then. Oh. Uh, he did that, I think, last week. Uh, so it's in, you know, I I don't talk to him every day or anything like that. But yeah, it's it's great to see his name uh, back out there so soon. And I think he was a guy who was in demand as soon as uh, as soon as people saw that there was an opportunity there because he's uh, terrific. Well, speaking of fangraphs on Fox, it's that's another thing that sort of annoys me somewhat is that Sportsnet has picked up um, Sportsnet.ca has picked up Fangraphs articles as well and and the writers on Sportsnet you know I, I know you kind of make light of it sometimes you know Shai Davidi Rogers employee um, you know I, I, I generally enjoy reading him and, and Nicholson Smith and, and I, I see them as quite progressive and, and a bit more forward thinking than you know the rest. We I mean, go back to Buck and Tabby and and Zahn and 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 some of those guys. So it's a bit it's a bit of a dichotomy that you've got these guys that are writing, that you know know what's you know what war is. For instance, you know you don't you don't have to <laughs> yeah. batter somebody on TV with it because most people you know, like you I think you said in in your Buck and Tabby article are, are just on their couch drinking a beer, wanting to enjoy baseball. They don't want to talk advanced metrics. But it it does seem to be a split. You know, within within the company, somewhat. 
of, of who they've got writing and who they've got on TV. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, and that's, I think that's something that's changing on the hockey side, too. I know yeah. that, uh, that Scott Lewis, who sometimes post for us and would be on podcast occasionally, uh, he's doing, like, he's doing NHL stuff at Sportsnet now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Zoobs, uh, just this week, said he's over at Sportsnet, uh, who would also be on our podcast and, uh, and is doing social media for them. So there, there's somebody, there's some people at Sportsnet's, uh, uh, you know, the digital media, the online stuff that, uh, seem to get it and yeah. Uh, and yeah shy and shy and ben nicholson smith are, are terrific i think that's just the way the world is going with the everything is so specific now and you have a little more freedom with with digital media to yeah. do that kind of thing and and it's not just sports you see it and you know music is another thing everyone has such specific tastes and you can really seek out exactly what you want and and you know the fact that there's a market for that now i think the the sports net Sport, sports nets and all those other companies out there that are covering sports are starting to figure that out and they're, they're hiring people that, that can bring a little more content so I think it's a, it's a good way for, for things to go and there, I mean TV is just a different medium than online right I mean yeah. TV you're not to be stereotypical but I mean a lot of younger people are cutting the table and they're finding you know, there's, you know we all know Netflix and and right. watching stuff online, and that, right. I think you know that's part of the reason why Buck and Tabby appealed to uh, to the higher ups at Sportsnet because they're they're safe and they're not different, and yeah. and the demographic yeah. that they're sort of speaking to is a TV demographic, which is different from uh, what the guys are doing at uh, a digital level. Yeah, and MLB TV. Uh, yeah. If you want a war discussion, you can find it online somewhere. You don't need to go to Buck and Tabby for well, that. Well, and we've we've <laughs> talked about this before. The the podcast sort of population is is small, but very sort of loyal, aren't they? So yeah. you know the, you know we're not going to reach thousands, but the people that listen to a podcast and whether it's the Baseball Prospectus podcast, you know, they're quite hardcore, and they probably want the, it's a certain audience, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, we've we've had you for an hour, and it's I don't even know what time it is over there. But um, thanks very much, Andrew. It's uh, much appreciated. Oh, anytime, guys. Uh, I really enjoyed it. You got any plans for your winter coming up? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> must be hitting soon. Know. Getting your shovel out, right? <laughs> yeah, well, oh, it's one of those things. <laughs> Are you, hey, do you reckon uh, you'll drive down to it? The winter meetings are in San Diego this year, so yeah. that's that's tempting. Mm. Well, say, your your coverage of the winter meetings is obviously always the um, the best and the, yeah, good setup. Where can we get your coverage? Mm. Why don't you give us the uh, the rundown? Well, where you can get it is just uh, it's drunkdaysfans.com. Uh, it comes score, uh, which you won't find on their site <laughs> anywhere. So you have to go to drunkdaysfans.com. Uh, Twitter is at Andrew Stoughton, S D O E T E N, and uh, or at drunkdaysfans. And yeah, hopefully um, it's a it's a ways away now to be even thinking about it. But I think you do a, an annual road trip out to uh, out down to Dunedin, <laughs> so I'm sure that'll I be on the cards. Lately, yeah, I'm looking. I, I hope to do it again this year. Um, yeah, spring training's kind of cool. Getting out of the stupid snow is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, it seems to work. It feels like a long way away, but it's gonna be on you before you know it. I just hope Alex gives me something to write about between now and then, and not just. Stupid rumor and innuendo every day, like it was last year, and that was insane. Ah, uh, yeah, fingers crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed. Because 
Well, I, I broke down a bit and watched the uh, the opening hockey thing last night or whatever, and it looked like people were wearing their scarves and, and hats and whatnot already. So it's it's starting to get cold <laughs> out there. Not quite yet. There are a bunch <laughs> of whiners. <laughs> it's, like, it's like 12 degrees. Ah, there you go. It's nothing. That's like your summer. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew. Thanks a lot for doing this. Thanks for having me. Thanks, bud. And I think that'll do it for this episode of Your Van Seas Podcast. It was a good one. We had Andrew Stoughton on, so we thank him for, for coming on. It was a wonderful discussion about the Blue Jays, as wonderful as a Blue Jays discussion can be, I guess, after a year <laughs> like this. Um, but I it, enjoyed the year, as I said, uh, with, with Andrew. I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I watched a lot, of, a lot of games, and for a lot of the time, they were in it. You know, yeah. and Unfortunately, when I went away to see him, they got swept in Seattle and, and, and lost in Boston, but... You know, nevertheless, they uh, I enjoyed it immensely, and yeah. and you know, obviously the we we're still talking about it. We're going to be talking about it all winter because Anthopoulos has sort of teased us, saying he's really looking forward to this off season. And he thinks it's going to be exciting. Things are going to get done, and as Andrew mentioned, you know, we really hope that that's not just his usual <laughs> double talk. <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting uh, winter to, to find out, and I'm sure we'll do uh, another show around winter uh, meetings time, and, and yeah. if anything does happen. Um, stay tuned to yourvanseas.com because Charlie's going to be updating it uh, routinely with with you know all sorts of stuff about the instructional league and, and everything that's going on this winter. Um, so make sure you stay tuned and yeah, keep, keep following. Yourvanseas.com will be looking forward, and but we'll also look back. We'll take a we'll we'll review what happened, maybe do a positional analysis of of all the seas. Um, so yeah, and as I mentioned last week or two weeks ago, whatever, there the new site is still in the works. Uh, my brother-in-law, he's a young guy. You know, he tends to sort of be a little bit procrastination. But With all the time on your hands, you could probably yeah. figure out how to design the website. I'm a, I'm a web developer just yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're an IT expert. I exactly, forgot yeah. Um, you can give Charlie a, a follow on Twitter as well, at Charlie Kasky. And uh, I've kind of gone full hockey mode on my Twitter account, but uh, you can still follow me at Greg Ballock, S-T, uh, B-A-L-L-O-C-H. He's... C-A-S-K-E-Y for our last names. Um, like I said, I'm still going to talk baseball and I'll still be talking about the podcast, but uh, it's if you're not a hockey fan, Corsi. yeah, you're going to you're gonna be in trouble with my account. <laughs> Especially, you talk a bit, a bit of hockey too, Charlie, so I wouldn't say you're totally no, free. But uh, it's Canucks hockey too. I don't think anyone wants to hear about that. Uh, it's funny actually because, yeah, being a Jays fan, obviously you, I, I follow and am followed by a load of, Toronto area based or Ottawa there's one guy that just does nothing now but tweet about the Senators <laughs> and it's a lot <laughs> hey, so it's almost like yeah can I block you Leafs. for six months or something like that the no, there's a lot of Leafs fans out there as well mm-hmm. um, careful what you say but yeah I'm, I'm a Canucks <laughs> fan so there you go alright so we'll, we'll keep you posted on when, when, when the next episode is going to be we have actually a few guests lined up so there will be one pretty pretty soon probably I, yeah, I'd say next week we might even go back to uh, to weekly All right. a, a one off weekly uh, <laughs> podcast we finally figured it out by the end of the year that we can be <laughs> a weekly podcast uh, either way thanks for listening to this episode and thanks again Andrew Stoughton for coming on it was uh, a blast and it was a really good show so thanks again for listening